Hello, hello, and welcome to February. On this week's episode on the After Dark Photography Podcast, we are doing our Cosmic Chronicles for February. So if you want to know what's up in the sky and what to get out there and shoot this month, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Christine Riche, an artist and mentor to photographers around the world. Consider me your interstellar guide on the path to being a better nightscape photographer. In this podcast, we will bring together our artistic right brain and technical left brain by exploring creativity, art, and inspiration in photography, as well as diving into technique, gear, and strategy necessary to elevate your craft and photographic practice. I am so happy to be a part of your Milky Way journey. This is the After Dark Photography Podcast. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for being here with me. I want to give a quick little disclaimer before we start. I am currently recovering from pneumonia, so my voice might be a little bit more scratchy than normal. The good thing is I can very easily cut out any parts where I might devolve into a coughing fit. And I really did want to get this episode recorded and out for you and not wait because we are at a new month. It is February and that means a new episode of our Cosmic Chronicles. And February is pretty exciting. I don't know about, depends where you're at. My disclaimer, of course, aside from the, hey, I have pneumonia, um, is that everything I talk about comes from my particular position. So I am uh, close to Halifax, Nova Scotia at about 45 degrees north latitude. We're 44 point something here um, in North America on the East Coast. So, you know, everything that I talk about, if I give specific times um, and things like that, it is for where I am here. Make sure that you are always double checking times for where you are at before you go out and shoot anything. But I am very excited because February means the Milky Way core is coming back. Yes, we will talk about that later on in the episode, but the Milky Way core is coming back. It's visible again. So if you have been missing it, if you have been doing a little bit of hibernating, yes, it's time we can get off our butts and get out in the early morning snow if you're here in the north like me. So without further ado, let's just absolutely dive in. First up, and very exciting, we have the comet. Now, I'd like to just say, you know, when we talk about comets, it gets really exciting. But the reality is this particular comet, so we're talking about C uh, 2022E3ZTF. I think people are calling it like Zwicky. I'm probably saying that terribly. Um, this particular comet is not a crazy big or a crazy bright comet, but it's still really, really cool, especially if you take the time to get out there with a longer focal length and a tracker, or you even do a wide field and you see it kind of this little greenish smudge in the sky. It's really cool. You will never photograph it again. It's like, what, 50,000 years, I believe, is when uh, it will be back. So, you know, once in a lifetime chance. But that being said, I do like to kind of give a little bit more of a um, 
realistic point of view on it because you know media is like oh my gosh comment 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 and people start to get comment fever so yes it is very fun to get out there and shoot it and the part of the reason why I wanted to do this recording even without my voice being 100% back is that on February 1st so the day that this podcast drops that is when the comet is going to come closest to the earth so it's going to be the brightest. February 1st, the comet is the brightest that it's going to be. If you are listening to this on the Wednesday when this podcast episode comes out on February 1st and you have clear skies tonight, please, please get out and take a look for the comet tonight. Now, I have a... Um, a couple screenshots. So if you're uh, listening to this, you can go to the show notes page and see it. If you're checking this out on YouTube, you can um, see the screenshots will come up right beside me. But basically, what you're going to see with the comet is when it is full dark, it is already up and in the sky. So at my latitude, it's up um, at a about an elevation of 58 degrees. So it's pretty high up in the sky. Um, and then it's going to get a little bit higher and then start to um, set again. If you are the type of person who's interested in doing comet plus landscape, you're not going to be able to do that with this comet um, with a longer focal length. So you'll see a screenshot that I have here in Planet Pro. And what that's showing you is that if you're looking for the comet as it's setting, well, basically when dark night ends, the comet is still pretty high up. So it's at an elevation angle of about 16 degrees. If you live somewhere that's got a bunch of mountains, you can probably get a shot of it setting. But if you're like me and you've got ocean, <laughs> you're, you're um, SOL, as they would say. So you're looking at photographing more like a 50 millimeter. Um, lens, which will get the comet, but it won't get the comet looking very big um, or impressive. The other option, of course, is you can do something like a focal length blend where you take a longer focal length. So, you know, if I were shooting the comet, I would be using my 300 millimeter lens. I don't have um, any longer lenses than that because I don't tend to do a lot of deep sky stuff, but a 500 millimeter lens would be great or if you have a scope to use um, and you're shooting that on a more um, like on an astro camera so you've got that crop factor as well that would be great but you could shoot the comet separately and then shoot the foreground and do like a focal length blend that is another option or you can just get out there and try and just get a shot of it or even see it with binoculars i will say you've got to be somewhere pretty dark to be able to see it with binoculars. Some people have said they've been able to, other people have said they just haven't at all. So it is the type of thing where um, you are going to want to have binoculars and very dark skies. And of course, one of the things, you know, a comet is more spread out. So it's more difficult to see than stars are. I was able to see it more using my averted um, vision when I used binoculars to look at it. Uh, so just a uh, another thing as well when it comes to actually if you're just like I just want to see it it'd be cool to see Oop, it is pretty cool okay so then 
that takes us to uh, the next thing that's happening. So on February 5th, it's the full moon. Um, now, I like to give a little bit here in terms of like photographing the full moon. So on February 5th, if you look at the screenshot that I have, um, you can see that the moon is going to be rising up right when the sun is going down. Of course, that's what happens with the full moon. The moon is exactly opposite of the sun. So when the sun is setting, the moon is rising. Sun is setting in the west, moon is rising in the east. On the night of the full moon, you are going to get a... Uh, foreground that's pretty well lit because you've got the sunset. So there's not really a huge dynamic range kind of mismatch. Every night after the full moon, what happens is the full moon is rising. Well, the moon, but it's not quite full. It's pretty darn close. So it's rising later and later, which means it's rising when it's more dark out. It becomes more difficult to get the full moon and to have detail in it and have detail in the foreground at the same time. So if you really want to get a shot where the landscape is really important and you want the detail in the moon, doing that on the night of the full moon is a great time to do it. If on the other hand, let's say you want to get a cool shot where the moon is rising up over buildings and you know that the buildings will be like lit up, it could be interesting to do that a day or two past full moon because you'll get a much darker scene and a much greater contrast between the moon and the object that it is um, rising up and behind. So just something to keep in consideration when you're looking at doing your full moon photos. I know here in Nova Scotia, we pretty much, and I mean, I've been paying attention now for as long as I've been um, doing astro work, so it's been a while, Around the full moon, we get at least one clear night. I don't know what it's like where you are, but it's at least, you know, I can count two days before or after the full moon, we get at least one night that's clear. So if I were someone who went out and did a lot of moon photography, I am not. Um, if I was, there would always be something to shoot. And, you know, there's lots of ways that you can get out there and plan and, and uh, get some really, really cool shots. Of course, when you're photographing the moon, the longer your focal length, the better. You'll see in the screenshot I have here, I have the focal length set to uh, 500 millimeters. If you want a big moon, you need a long focal length. Now, you can also do more wide angle and you can get moonlit um, landscapes, which is also super cool, but it just all depends on the actual image that you'd like to have. After full moon, well, we wait a little bit. <laughs> As astrophotographers, uh, the full moon is like a consolation prize. I know there will be some people who will come at me with pitchforks for that, being like, I love the moon. Um, and I do too. The moon is, is fantastic. But moonlight in the sky, not so good. Um, so there's not a lot to do for the next little bit until we start to get some conjunctions. And the first one that we have is on February 14th. Now, this is the morning of February 14th. So we would be looking at like February 13th going into the next, the next morning. So into the Tuesday morning. And this is a conjunction of Antares with the moon. Now, this is just exciting to even say Antares. If anyone knows in the way that I teach Milky Way photography, um, I give Antares as uh, the star to look for because you see Antares, the Milky Way is going to be right there. Antares is in Scorpius and the Milky Way is coming up um, when you're able to see Antares. So when I'm like looking there and I'm like, oh, Antares conjunction, I'm like, yes, 
It means it, it means Milky Way season. Also, Antares is part of uh, Ro Ophiuchi, which is just one of my favorite parts of the night sky to photograph. It looks like the Infinity Stones. Nice for all my other um, geeks out there like me. So we have a conjunction of Antares with the moon. If you take a look at the screenshot that I posted, you'll see that you can fit Antares rising up with the moon and it's at about a 200 millimeter focal length um, and you can get a little bit of the sky. It's rising up here um, just after 3 a.m. on that Tuesday the 14th. So if you want to get a little Valentine's Day photo, um, that might just be the one. Now, the next evening, what you're going to get to see is a conjunction between Venus and Neptune. Now, I will say it's okay as well on the 14th and the 16th. So on the 15th, and this is the evening, so Wednesday evening, you're going to see them right after dark, and they're going to be starting to set um, fairly soon after full dark. Here in Nova Scotia, it's about eight o'clock that they are setting, and they're very close to the horizon. <clears throat> so um, Venus and Neptune are going to be quite close together. You'll be able to um, use a very long lens. Um, I have in the screenshot 300 millimeters, but you can use even longer. On the 14th and the 16th, you will be able to get um, Venus and Neptune close to each other as well, just not quite as close. Um, and I particularly love Venus, um, the evening star. It's just always a very beautiful star um, to photograph. Of course, it's not a star, it's a planet. I know that. Uh, but it's always very stunning in the night sky. And, you know, bonus points if you can photograph this somewhere, maybe where there's um, like reflections that will come into play because that will just amplify the overall uh, scene and make it that much, that much nicer. Now, after, after this conjunction, on the 16th, Milky Way becomes visible. So February 16th, up until the end of the month, we have the Milky Way core. She is back. So here in Nova Scotia, we're looking at about 4.20 a.m. when the core is just rising up. Okay, hear me on this. If you live somewhere where you've caught a lot of stuff, like mountains or things like that in the way, you're going to need to either get up high <laughs> or um, you're probably not going to have the Milky Way visible. In Nova Scotia, early in the season, I go to places where I'm either up high, so I'm at the top of a hill, so there's nothing um, in between me and the horizon, or I go to the ocean because the Milky Way core is just rising up and just starting to become visible. So here it's at 4.20 a.m. on the 16th, and it's visible until we start to get sunlight interfering, and that happens at around 5.30 in the morning. Uh, now, anyone who's local knows on the nights when it's clear in February, it is also brutally cold. So make sure if you are somewhere in the north and you're out and you get clear night in February, it's probably going to be cold. So put on put on your warm things, put on your fleeces, get your heated stuff out and get out there. Um, you know, bonus points if you can get out there after a fresh snow or with ice. I get a lot of comments from people who live more south and they're like, oh, the Milky Way and snow is so cool. And I'm like, that's the key word, isn't it? Cool? By cool, do you mean freezing? <laughs> but it uh, it really does 
it's just such an awesome time to get back out there and to get images that you won't be getting in the dead of summer. That's for sure. The other thing too that I really like with the Milky Way core when it's starting to come up is it hugs the horizon where I am here at my latitude and it is nicer to use like a longer focal length lens if you have like say a tracker that you can use um, shooting the Milky Way just as it's coming up at 50 millimeters is really quite impressive so I like to try and do that so the Milky Way is visible now it's visible until the end of the month um, so I have here on my notes, February 28th, it's visible, um, at 4am until 5.17am. Um, so it's, uh, our light, we're starting to lose the night. I saw a, th a thing on, well, social media, Facebook, wasn't it? Um, where they were saying just today or lately that we are through the 10 darkest nights so uh the 10 weeks sorry um of darkest nights uh and they're saying it like it was a good thing <laughs> i was like oh no this means that we're our mornings our sunrises are getting earlier and earlier and earlier so actually the earlier that you go out in february uh you get to go out a little bit later it's not a lot but hey 20 minutes sleep is is 20 minutes sleep so february 20th is our new moon um which tracks since that's in between our 16th to 28th dates as we move along february 22nd we are going to get um, a conjunction of the moon and Jupiter. Now, Venus is also very close and nearby. So we get um, to see the moon with Jupiter. And if you want to also get Venus in there, I, that's a screenshot that I have that I'm putting up. Uh, and you'll see that is shot at about 200 millimeter focal length. So it's on the 22nd. That's happening just after sunset. So the uh, moon and Jupiter and Venus will be setting. Venus is setting pretty soon, right after sunset. If you just want to do the moon and Jupiter, which you could do at a much longer focal length, you could do that later on. It happens a little bit later. Um, this is a very, very new moon. So it is a, a waxing crescent and it's very, very tiny. So it can make for a really, really lovely shot. And there's less the moon is not as hard to deal with when it's a small, when you're trying to compensate for the moon versus um, the planets as well. Um, this type of, I find, image works out really, really well. So you can also do it the next night on the 23rd. I do have a, a screenshot of that too. Um, it's just more wide, wide angle. So if you are shooting on the, on the next night, the moon is not quite as close to everything um, as it is the night before to Jupiter and Venus. So you have to use a bit more, bit more wide angle at about a 70 millimeter is what I would say for that. Now, next up, a couple nights later, we have on February 25th, the moon plus Uranus, and they are going to be a little bit more of a distant conjunction. Um, you can photograph them together at 200 millimeters, but what would be really nice, you could also include the Pleiades. Um, you could do that at about 100 millimeters, and you'll see that in my screenshot. You'll see this is um, just after about 11.30 p.m., on the 25th, you'll see that Uranus is setting, and then we've got the moon in the middle of the frame, and then the Pleiades up here at the top of the frame. So if you're shooting it in portrait at like 100 millimeters, that would be a pretty a pretty nice 
and pleasing composition to shoot. You can also do this the night before on the 24th. Um, it's not, um, in terms of having the Pleiades in there, you won't. You'll see I have a screenshot there with uh, the moon and Uranus. You can do it on the 24th as well. Um, it's just, you'll see they're, they're kind of like reversed in position. Um, so that's an, that's an option as well. And then the last thing that I have for the month, on February 28th, we have a really close conjunction of Mars and the Moon. So in the screenshot um, that I have of Planet Pro, you'll see I have it at 500 millimeters. Um, the Mars and the Moon are going to get real close, uh, which can make for just a really, really lovely image, especially if you do this as a setting image. Now, to do that, um, you'll see the timing in my screenshot for here in Nova Scotia, of course. It's February 20th. It's that morning, but it's just after 2.30 in the morning. So, you know, you got to get up early for this one. Um, but you can get the moon and Mars together very close and setting over a landscape. It could be really, really lovely. So that's February. That's February in a nutshell. And, you know, there's lots, lots of things to shoot every month we're going to have conjunctions of the moon and planets um, depending on when it is. Sometimes there's some other things um, that that are coming up and that we get to see. Um, sometimes there are conjunctions between planets and uh, Messier objects. Um, different stars maybe also have a conjunction with the moon. Uh, this month, the start of the month is going to be pretty fun with the comet. I look forward to seeing pictures. I will not be um, getting out to get any. Uh, I will just say recovering from pneumonia does not lend itself well to being out all night in very cold temperatures. Uh, but I can take the consolation prize of getting healthy so that later this month I can go out and get some Milky Way photos. Um, and that is going to be pretty exciting to have that come back. So lots of things that you can be pointing your camera at this month. Um, I know for me personally, I tend to take January as a bit of a like reset. I know a lot of people like go gung ho into like New Year's resolutions and doing stuff. But I personally find that January is a time for rest, um, maybe forced rest, if everyone in your house is sick. Um, no, just me, just me with small kids. <laughs> Not not only me. I know there's I know there's some others out there who uh, are battling the back to school and daycare bugs, but I definitely do look at January as a time to you know holidays are over, craziness, all of that stuff is over, and it's time for a little bit of rest and reset and figuring out what's going on for the rest of the month. So I don't honestly do a heck of a lot in January, and I'm okay with that. It gives me the ability to rest up so that I can start to get out later. And lots of things are planned for the rest of the year. Lots of fun things to shoot. If you're out <coughs> and shooting, if you're getting out there and getting some shots, I would love to see them. Uh, post them up in our uh, After Dark Photography Podcast Facebook group. Don't forget, of course, too, I haven't mentioned it, but you know, I talked about Orion and I did a podcast episode um, about Orion as well on how to go out and shoot Orion. Orion's still there. You don't, if you don't want to get up for those crazy early hours, 
to photograph the Milky Way, you can get out there um, as soon as it's full dark and Orion will be there and waiting for you in the sky. So there's just so, so much this time of year and we can get out there and shoot um, if we can brave maybe a little bit of the cold. So thank you for listening to another episode and I look forward to seeing your images soon.